Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. My name's Paul Webb. I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm also your host. Weekly, I present to you experts from around the world, and today we are in Scotland, taking personal perspectives on COP26. And our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. And before we get into our interview, I would like to recognize our sponsors. They are Clean Energy Revolution for their knowledge and networking in the renewable world, B2B Energy for the 11-week energy program and reducing energy on organizations' third largest expense, Hark Systems, renowned for their energy software, Alexis Energy for their power management, led by Vision, who are an LED and a controls company, Simewatts for their electronics and their EV transition, Carbon Black Global for their waste to energy initiatives, and lastly, our certificate partners, Esther Energy. Welcome to episode 59 of Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. And my special guest today has valuable insights regarding her degree she is studying in Scotland. She has journeyed all the way from India to seek her passion of energy management and her personal ambition to work in the renewable industry. So without any further ado, I give you Shretna Nard. Good afternoon, Shretha, and how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's getting colder here in Glasgow. And uh, yeah, feeling fine, I should say. Busy. I, should, I should really say that you're a Glasgow girl now. How you? How long have you been there now? A couple of months, actually. I think I'm catching on with the Glaswegian accent, though. I think you sound Glaswegian, even though. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're suffering a little bit with a bit of a flu, aren't you, today? Yeah, a little bit. With the, but, with but the cold good. and the damp. Yeah, it is cold. Everybody's having the flu these days. Need to get those flu shots. Right. Yeah. So should I, should I, we met probably six months ago. I've been doing some mentoring with you. You lead now the uh, the Clean Energy Revolution Juniors, which we both set up together. We drove that for about 10 weeks doing some education and training. And I've really got to know you very well over the last, I would say, three months. Um, and I know you moved from India to Glasgow, not for COP, but for your studies, which we're going to hear a lot about there. Um, but for the benefit of our audience today, can you tell us about uh, Shradhar, about her background, where she's come from, and, and you know what you're doing today within our industry? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Paul. Uh, so I am an electrical engineer. Uh, I did my bachelor's back in India. And I have been working since uh, 2018 in the corporate sector. And um, I was also associated with a couple of energy industry, um, big oil uh, companies. And uh, I've done a lot of internships there. And uh, for the past one or two, I, sh- I should say over, over 1.5 years, I've been associated with um, a startup in California, it's uh, called Save and Restore, and I've been working with them as a growth strategist. So basically, 
helping them grow their business and um it's the the company is in the energy sector because they work on ev charging and energy storage and all that and uh, then i met you and I, it's it's been wonderful because paul has been mentoring me for yeah it's been over 6 months i should say it's it was so late march to 2021 right and uh, <clears throat> yeah it's it's been great and of course we you, i was introduced to ceer junior that was amazing i i got to meet a lot of people from different parts of the world we have we, now we have i think a mixture of not just people from india and <clears throat> uh africa we also have people from um, germany i think right. of them yeah and it's it's fun to see all these young people you know coming together for just to learn so much about the energy sector and i think everybody is um, learning a lot about um, energy not just from our sessions we had we had like uh, every week sessions for like 10 weeks and um, it it was great to grow even as a person because you get to uh, make presentations and then you are presenting about a topic so that was that was amazing and uh, yeah and then i think by august end i came here in glasgow for my masters um, i'm doing my masters in energy management specifically economics and policy of energy and climate change and i was very very fortunate to meet a lot of delegates this time because cop happened in 20, uh, glasgow cop 26 that was that was so amazing like yeah i even met barack obama by then of course we didn't talk but then i was like oh yeah hi it was, <laughs> it was great yeah it was great so Obviously when you was making the decision about your studies going forward I think you had a choice between Canada and Scotland and I remember sort of one afternoon you just didn't know what to choose did you about the two and nothing cop wasn't even on our radar we didn't that wasn't part of the decision was it no it wasn't that i remember that afternoon it was so confusing because i had admissions from us colleges in us from germany canada and uk and i was like i was so confused at that time which one to choose because all of the course structures were so amazing and of course we factor in financial as well but then it yeah. was for some reason because my area of interest is towards offshore wind and um, to be um, an environmental economist like in the future so i was i was pretty much leaning towards scotland because come on uk is like the land of um, offshore wind so there was a hard decision between canada and uk also uh, at this moment i think canada is not uh, at a very peak for education in terms of um, yeah in terms of education for energy sector particularly they have some environmental aspects of courses but then they are not very strong on energy i i wonder why not but um, i think um, uk was a great decision i just i'm actually loving the course but you're not loving the temperature <laughs> i think i'll get used to it i'm getting <laughs> on the glaswegian accent so now i'm getting used to the it's sometimes it's good sometimes the weather is beautiful and sometimes yeah. it's you just just don't want to go out or even open the window it's that bad how are you finding the accent because even from a londoner listening i've got some glaswegian uh, customers and i'm the only one in my company that understands them i can communicate <laughs> with them very clearly but they speak far too fast don't they yeah they have a very thick accent i think uh, it's easier to understand general scottish accent 
Yeah. But um, if you come to like hardcore Glaswegian accent, they have a special, um, it kind of rolls and twists in your mouth that it's it's very thick. And earlier on, it was difficult. Like, you know, it was like uh, when you are on a phone call, it's worse. Like yeah, when you're yeah, face yeah. to face, you can at least try to read the lips, but with the masks on, it's again an issue. So I think during a pandemic, if I came here and I can understand that accent, I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I'll make it through. It's it's very thick. It's difficult, but yeah. It's a little different from British though, British English, because I've noticed that British people don't use the word, they don't enunciate R, the word little, little R. And uh, here, people do that. Here, they have very much um, stress on R. So wow. they will say three instead of three. So yeah. No, like, it's something. totally different, isn't it? Yeah. Totally different. So let's go back into you know you've come this you've, you've decided to go into energy management, um, renewables. What what's been the drivers behind that? What's what's been driving you um, into that industry? So um, I have always been a huge fan. I should not say fan, but like a like an. I can't even say activists, but yeah, maybe a fan of climate change long before it was, you know, now it's a fad. Now everybody wants to go into climate change and sustainability. Some of them don't even understand the meaning, but they just want to go there because it's it's a fad now. It's a trend, but I was into it long before it became a trend. And I enjoyed um, learning a little bit more about climate change 10, 15 years ago when David Attenborough was like, oh no, this is the time we should be very careful because the temperatures are rising and everything. And my father has is working in the oil and gas industry. And uh, I've seen the entire inside out of oil and gas industry. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great option because as, as long as you have oil, you can go ahead and extract it. But it's a depletable resource. So at one point, it's going to go down. And then what? You know, we cannot stop businesses. We cannot uh, stop... Uh, using our water kettle or you know lighting our homes so um, I think a more sustainable and renewable option would be renewable energy so that is that is how my interest actually got sparked in into the energy sector I should say. And are you seeing impacts of climate change and the environment at home in in India? Yeah absolutely Uh, so I think if climate change doesn't, it doesn't discriminate between, um, you know, if, if the country is developed or if it's a developing country because its impact is like everywhere. And uh, especially within India and, and the coastal areas, um, southern part of India, there has been like um, massive flash floods and, you know, um, hurricanes coming along and it's every year the sea level rise is rising so much. But I think people are finding a way of working around it. Like, I think policies policy should be not just was mitigating the effects of climate change. They should also teach people how to adapt to, you know, the changing climate because climate is still changing, you know. Uh, we also saw earlier this month, I think it was last month, there was a forest fire in Siberia. Siberia is one of the coldest cities of the world in Russia. And if you see a forest fire there, it's a wildfire there, I mean, if that is not a cue that you know climate change is really happening, I think, I think people are blind to it. Then, 
so um we need to move towards like my area of focus would be towards you know getting up offshore wind especially in countries like uk and um along the entire uh, northern area of the european union they have so much potential to increase um the production of offshore wind and not just offshore wind basically blue economy is my focus you know there is we have 70% of the earth covered with water why are we not using it you can't use it to drink i get that so uh, and we have only like 3% of fresh water resources which we use for almost everything you know from uh, washing our face in the morning to you know cooking food um to um produce food basically we're using so much of fresh water and it's just like 1% of the 3% of fresh water available in the world in the world so i think if we can fo- turn our focus towards the 70% of the remaining water even though it is saline water if we can make use of the oceans as much as we can using tidal energy wind energy floating offshore wind i'm i'm very impressed that um i think siemens commissar has um bought up an offshore floating offshore wind farm somewhere uh in the northern sea i think that's that's impressive like there is so much possible with innovation and technology that we can you know go ahead and get the energy from wind it's interesting you say about the the blue economy <laughs> i i always say that um for me energy is gas electric and water and always incorporate all of those uh, utilities because they are key you know water is very important part of a a resource that we need to uh reserve going forwards and then you know um you've you're part of the the clean energy revolution we we set the clean energy revolution junior group up because we wanted to help and develop young generation into it because there's a lot of appetite for the young generation to get into our industry of of renewables and i'm finding india seems to be a very big driving point for universities and the younger generation are are you seeing that as well um regarding sort of your your country where you're from regarding the the education uh yeah um i will not say, i mean i can i don't think i can have the proper right to say because i went i left the country for my education to some other country but then in general um they what they are trying to do is india was in a india is still still developing so it was in a phase when oil and gas and coal was a huge deal in the last era and all the people now have like reached their age of maturity and knowledge gaining and you know bring bring up new innovation technology but then uh, now we are at a phase where we don't have to go up to the point where we are developed we can walk around the mountain and go directly to you know being completely green so for that i think this era of students you know young people somewhere between 18 to 32 they are all they have so much potential because now everybody is moving towards interdisciplinary approach like i am an electrical engineer i could have just directly gone to a power plant start working and then work my way around it but then i switched in between economics and then now i'm into policies so if i think nowadays all the youth in india are moving towards a very very diversified background in terms of education like even india is um, trying to accommodate the need uh, and the demand for you know having an interdisciplinary approach to things 
because otherwise it's not possible somebody who knows mathematics should also know a little bit of how to code things because when you are trying to design things you need to ha- know the working knowledge of a particular software so you cannot just say that okay i'm i'm a mathematics student or i'm a science student so i sh- i don't have the necessity to learn about mechanical engineering or or electrical engineering so you need to ha- have a working knowledge of everything so that you are able to contribute at some point to you know what you are trying to innovate so yeah are you likely to take your skills back into the country once you've studied in in the uk well what's your plans for the future that's an interesting question actually i would i would still love to like i understand that i get the education here but i would still love to work for a couple of years to get to know because right now offshore wind is a huge thing in uk and it's all already an established market so once you get to know the inside out of an established market you can use those transferable skills and go ahead and work something out for you know back back at home so i think if we can work something around that it's a long shot but i might just do some kind of startup there back at home uh, still working on it but i need to get some market knowledge right here from on ground where things are happening in offshore so yeah, yeah. so for me the the uh, the wind generation is quite simple it's, it's a windmill it's the, the, the rotation of the engine uh, of the generators generate the electricity um and there's lots of talk around the renewable side of that regarding the the sustainability and what happens at the end of that life cycle have you got yeah. any opinions of, of, of that? Have you got any thoughts regarding Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Um, that is, I think that is going to be my one of my um, projects for my final uh, thesis. I, I, yeah, final project uh, topics. It's like 20, 30 years, every wind turbine has uh, the life cycle and then it's decommissioned. And uh, we don't have a proper way to you know, dispose of these wind turbines. For solar panels, you can reuse them. To, to uh much not not as much as its life cycle is but then if you disintegrate the solar panels you can use it to make a small toy which is run on solar or you know you can reuse those parts somewhere uh and some of it can be recycled as well some parts like silicon and all cannot be recycled to an extent but for wind it's difficult because wind is like a huge it's just a huge wind turbine it's a huge blade you cannot cut it and you know use it somewhere else so uh, I think uh, after decomposition, uh, after decommissioning of the wind turbines, it is very difficult to get to a stage where it is biodegradable because it is not. But uh, there is a recent study by one of the company called Modernza. I think it's a it's a no, it's a Denmark-based company. Yeah, it's a Denmark-based company, and they have what they have tried to do is they have tried to make. Um, wind turbine made out of wood it's like kind of like a laminated wood it has wood material in it and it takes time but it is biodegradable so that's some great innovation i think um, they have done and i think we need more uh, money into r d at this point you know if you have to make the green energy actually green we need to put in more money in not just for wind for any renewable uh, energy to to be able to you know recycle what we are or instead of recycling, recycling is the later stage. If you can make something that is already sustainable, then you can, uh, you know, 
cut out completely the last part where you are struggling to make it recycling. So, yeah. I, there's definitely a space for that, the R&D and the development in that area. And for, yeah. for me, again, I, I think that's something we need to focus on. Um, I think wind power plays a very big part, especially in the UK, as we know, um, the solar does. We, we do need the right weather regarding the wind at the right time. Um, there's a, the whole accumulation of resources that we need to tap into. Um, you know, uh, rightly or wrongly, I think nuclear has got a little place in there that we need to still maintain it. Um, I'm a bit biased when it comes to nuclear. I, I get some black marks from people when I mention my my favoritism towards nuclear, but I think it's got its place. Um, obviously, we know about the waste issues and things, but it is robust, um, that side of it. Wind and, and solar, we need work to be done on there regarding making it more sustainable is, is what you've just said. And I'm quite excited that you've said that and um, regarding that's what's going to be part of one of your thesis to, to write and to yeah. develop that, which is brilliant. I think we need to be thinking about it. I think the young generation needs to be bringing that into um, the future for us regarding that. Um, so I think I've reached out to you last week and you said something about you was involved with the COP, you was doing something uh, during the COP. What, what was you, um, tell us about that. Tell the audience what you was getting involved with. I was the, I was a delegate as, uh, I was working as a delegate in a conference of youth 16. So COI 16 is, COI is basically like a pre-COP thing just for the youth. And it was eventful. It was so moving and so eventful. It was so nice um, because I have attended COI before uh, when COP 21 Paris Agreement was happening. Right. Uh, that was that was amazing too. There were like 5,000 uh, people, more, over 5,000 people coming from different parts of the world. This year, of course, during the pandemic, they had to limit a lot of things. But um, I believe if there was no pandemic, I believe like 100,000 people at least would have been there. And it was so nice because we had people from Brazil, Chile, um, Estonia, um, Spain, all the way to Australia, Japan, China. So many people came in and there were many indigenous community uh, uh, representatives as well. And it was, they were in their traditional attire and uh, they, of course, they had translators all the time with them, but um, they, they had very moving stories. They were like, we are out there uh, trying to save um, the forests and uh, the natural resources. You know, we are trying to protect them and the government is just trying to take it away because they want to keep um, using, misusing or exploiting all these natural resources. Um, it was very moving that they came all the way. I think we had some indigenous people from Brazil as well. It was, it was amazing, amazing to meet them. And there were very young children, like 16, 17 year olds. Wow. Yeah, and they are like the founders. Some of them are were like founders of some different organizations or something. Uh, they were representing the youth of a country. It was great to see 16 year olds doing that because I don't know at what point or how much far do they understand into uh, life in general, but uh, I'm pretty sure they have some working knowledge on how things work when it comes to climate activism. And um, I was very delighted to meet a lot of people who are actually, some of them are like genuinely uh, delegates from uh, different organizations like UNFCC and um, UNEP and UNDP. And we talked about sustainable development goals, the 17 of them. 
and also how we can make a difference as youth and all those things. The closing ceremony was very um, interesting and exciting, I should say, even full, I should say, because we had the uh, COP26 uh, president, uh, Mr. Alok Sharma, and yeah. he was there. Yeah, he was there. He was giving these um, uh, closing ceremony speech and he was, um, there were a lot of tears and everybody was very emotional because uh, the youth, uh, one of our youth representatives from Yungo, she was like, uh, we have been working day and night, sleepless nights, you know, without, uh, for, for the past couple of months to make this event a huge success. And we, of course, we handed over the draft of what youth wanted um, from the COP president. And we handed over that draft report to them. And while doing that, there was a huge lot of emotions. It was very emotional. In, in fact, I think, yeah. Uh, I think Alok Sharma also cracked up a little bit, but yeah, it was because uh, because the ent- entire point of the whole thing was we don't want to be uh, we don't want this to be wasted. You know, all these people are coming from so far and they have yeah. so much to say. Their voices to be heard. That is why they have come here. And I hope all this doesn't go to waste because it's at the end of the day, this is what our future is. You know, you are making decisions, but we are the one who's going to con- uh, suffer the consequences of what make decision you make today in the future. So um, that was very moving. And we had many people from Ukraine who were pretty uh, angry, I should say, uh, in the closing ceremony. They kind of uh, call Alok Sharma hypocrite. And uh, yeah, there was there was quite eventful to watch. I think it, I think it went viral or something. Like everybody was at one point taking out their phones, and you know everything was going live because he was yep. giving the speech. But then in the middle of that whole thing, people, some people from I think Ukraine and France, I think they were very very uh, vocal about how they felt about him and about the whole COP twenty six thing. And there was a walkout session as well. So it was it was really eventful. You was really getting amongst it then. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting, I was like right in the middle of the whole thing happening. I was like, no, that's no, that's called trauma <laughs> in <laughs> in COP26. And I think uh our uh, the closing ceremony was nice. Everything was went well and the past, it was a four-day long event uh, conference, and we had a lot of sessions and workshops and um, um, mock COP26 um, preparation as well. Um, I, we, most of it was like, some people were very cynical and about the whole thing. They felt everything is a waste of time and it's not required and all those things. But some people were genuinely like hopeful about these fears not coming through. And I, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think since Co-op has started. I've attended a couple of events because I'm not in the blue zone exactly. So for listeners out there who don't know what is a blue zone, it's basically COP is divided into blue and green zones. So the blue zone is like the inner circle where all the huge delegates, people who actually have the authority to make differences, you know, make change in regulations and policies are sitting. So um, you either need to be um, an observer from a particular organization or uh, you have to, uh, you need to be a delegate or you can be from press, from, you know, journalist. So yeah. then, then you're allowed to go inside the blue zone. But I've attended a couple of events in the green zones and that has been eventful. It was, uh, I'm just surprised that, and of course, climate strike is, entire Glasgow is just filled with climate strikes. Every every day there is some or the other, people are just gathering at the George Square and they're like, oh, so George Square is like the central place. Yeah. And it's so amazing that 
so many people are so vocal and people have different reasons of why climate change is bad because some people think it's because of patriarchy some people think it's because of i don't know gender equality or um, or sexism i don't know everybody had their own reasons it was some of them were not justified as what i felt it's just my personal opinion people can have different opinions but then i felt that um, there is a lot of there was a lot of chaos and we can make changes without chaos but then um, people sitting inside the blue zone will not have the their bottoms on fire you know if if there is no uh, chaos outside i like the <laughs> way you describe in all of this it's very um black and white their bottoms on fire yeah i like that they need uh, in in the uk i would say they need a rocket up their ass basically that's uh, <laughs> what i would say but that's a polite way of saying their bottoms on fire i like that maybe i should cut that a bit about <laughs> rockets but uh, who cares yeah was there plenty yeah. of um, blah 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 do you think absolutely we had uh, miss greta here down here and there was also a buzz that you know she wasn't invited for cop but when she was here yeah, no she wasn't she was right. uh, just here just to get some just to show her face strike. yeah yeah just to show her face but really? um a lot of things what she said riled up people it's good in a good way because it it uh, gain, helps you know gain some traction inside the blue zone but a lot of things what she said wasn't exactly uh, you know fruitful i i felt like she she said leadership is not there it's right here it's not about where the leadership is i feel you just don't have the authority to make changes at this point somebody sitting in alok sharma or someone like him sitting inside actually has the authority to make a difference you know so i think i think her purpose was to reach out to them and tingle them at the right places so that they do make a difference and make changes in policies but yeah there was there was a lot of chaos still going on i think uh, we have like one more days and uh, for cop to be ended uh, yeah well i'm very proud that you're part of it and you're experiencing it and when i look back at them days when we were i think we had a bit of paper in front of us we had canada written on one side and glasgow the other side that's what i was telling you to do and writing all your positives and negatives i'm so glad we we selected um and i helped you select you know we didn't you did you selected glasgow and i'm i'm glad that i helped you down that path I'm not going to claim any credit for it but I'm glad that uh, <laughs> No no. You, no you I generally it was your choice and I'm really proud proud no, that you did that. I yeah I'm no you should get of course you should get credit for that because there was a, you need to have a right push in the right direction to you know. Yeah. Sometimes you're just standing in between two roads and you're not sure which one to take. And then I'm not being Robert Frost here but then you <laughs> and know, you are you are yeah. <laughs> um, Trilla, look this is come to that time now where i really want to you know i've always put you on the spot that's the way i've helped you with your your sort of guidance and and direction really and with our mentoring and i'm going to put you on the spot now and i'm going to ask you a question as you know that question what i'm going to ask and that is is there anything that you can give back as a student now um and and a female student in our industry is there anything you can give back to the industry today from your own personal experience uh 
Is that a technical question? Because <laughs> you can answer it how you want to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think water industry, especially energy industry, and I'll stress I'll stress on the reno- renewable energy industry part. We need more uh, more people, not just women. We need more people, men and women equally, um, to be. Um, they need jobs. They need people to be skilled enough to, you know, um, go out there and do the job. It doesn't matter what gender you are. If there's a woman who can climb up that um, wind turbine and do the job, she should get the job. It should not. It's not whether she's. Yeah, it's possible that someday she's not feeling well. But come on, the other day she can actually do the job. So mm-hmm. we need. Uh, there are many women out there I know personally who have reached out to me and are very dicey about whether they should go into the energy industry because there's a lot of field work. But I can say that I'm also in the energy industry now, and it's. I'm what I'm. The position I'll be choosing is mostly gonna be. It's. It's gonna be environmental economist. And I will not, it's not, it's not a field job, you know, you can have, you can be and contribute to the energy industry without being on the field. And I think that that also has a huge significance because I don't remember Alok Sharma going out there on the field and saying, hey, you know, I'm here to make a difference. So um, I'm not aiming to be Alok Sharma. I mean, that's that's a that's a huge ambition, but if it'll be great if I get there. But that's something I would like to give back to all the youth listening to you right now, to this podcast. If you if you feel you are dicey about whether energy sector is the right choice or not, you should um, you should definitely rethink about it. And if you're if you're not choosing it because of your gender, because you feel that uh, you know this may not be the right option for me because of my uh, how who am who am I? Then I think that's that's the wrong decision because there is role for everybody, and as an individual level, I want everybody to just start living a sustainable lifestyle. I'm not asking you to give up meat and all that. That is all veganism. People out there are enough telling you know to you to be vegan, but that's completely up to you. And if you can reduce meat consumption, you don't have to like completely give up. I get that. Yeah, if, yeah. and. Uh, just turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth. That's like the basic things you teach your children. And I think if every individual starts following that, there will be less water crisis across the globe. Um, just turn off the heat. Wear uh, wear an extra sock if you can. If you can, you know, just mm-hmm. reduce the heating, uh, reduce the temperature on the heater. And little ways to save energy, little ways to save water. And like you said, the three things: gas, electric, and uh, water. Those are the, actually the three main things which people will be fighting in the future. And um, given the prices are rising so much, there is, of course, UK is actually seeing a rise in prices in gas and electric, and that's that's not great. So, and it's going to be a harsh winter. I feel like it's already cold in October. There's not not even October heat, you know. So climate change is actually changing around everything. So I think. That would be another thing that you just everybody just at an individual level start making small changes in what you do. So to live a sustainable lifestyle, it can make a huge difference when so many individuals, seven billion people start doing things, it'll make a difference. Yeah. I'm a great believer in doing those small steps. Really am. Because it's a journey. But yeah. those small steps, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. Um 
I'm not going to stop preaching to everyone that I'm a vegetarian, but I I'm a vegetarian. It is because of the, 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 the future of the planet and things. That is one of the reasons, but it's also really for my health. It makes me feel better when I don't eat meat. Um, so that's the reason for that. It's funny. I do turn my water off very quickly when I'm cleaning my teeth. That's one thing I've always done. Um, my meat has never been metered, which really worries me. Um, I think water should be meat. We should always be measuring things. You know, you can't yeah. manage what you don't measure. And my Absolutely. last property, we didn't have measured water. And this property, my my water's paid from my service bill, which I'm not affected by that, if you know what I mean. I would be affected if the, the price of it was high. I'd be going, oh, I need to manage that better. But I'm not. But I still manage my water in my head, if that makes sense. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I love the sentence you said, we can't measure what, we can't, what, you said something. You said something. That was so nice. Actually. We cannot manage what we don't measure. What we can, oh my God. You, that should be the tagline of. Uh, Unfortunately, B2B that is a saying that is uh, someone else's saying, but oh, I've adopted yeah. that saying. Um, I, I think everybody I should adopt it. that. I have adopted it in a funny sort of way, but I, 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 I'll be on impinging copyrights of, of various very famous people in the world of such, but yeah. we can't, you know, we can't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I just love it. I think everybody should adopt that, you know, who wrote that or who said that, but it's going to be a buzz now. I'm going to like tell everybody, you cannot manage what you can't measure. <laughs> Go and write that down somewhere so you don't yeah. forget it. Well, Shana, yeah. it's been really great. I'm really pleased. You're really blossoming in your life now Doing since you've been in Glasgow. I haven't spoken to you for a couple of months or such, and yeah. I can see you, you're changing um, and you're really getting – I see your post every now and then and I think, wow, is that like the girl that I used to mentor? You know? Yeah. It's amazing I, to see how you've grown, and I'm really proud of what you're doing with the, the Clean Energy Revolution Junior Group. You're doing a great job there and keep it going. I know you've got the Nigerian princes to manage, but you are always the queen. Okay. They're the princes. They would never be the kings as such when you're while you're in charge. Oh. That's that's a sweet of you. But yeah, I, I enjoy working with them. They're like a great bunch of lively people with so much energy, you know, energy in a metaphorical and literal way. Because yeah, yeah. They're they're just really amazing people. Okay. Well, look, thank you for coming along. Keep up your great yeah. work. And please, you and your family, stay safe in these times. Yep. Thank you so much, Paul. That leaves me with just one thing to say. Be safe. <laughs>